now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Well, hello, people. I am going to sing with this song because <laughs> we couldn't get the video to work. What else is new, right? I just want to speak the name of Jesus. We actually want you to meditate right now. That is what we want, people. Yeah, it is. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. By the way, put a one or something if you can hear us, okay? I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark conception starts to break. Till every there is hope and there is freedom. There is hope and freedom. I speak Jesus. Yeah, there is people. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Yeah, it is. Life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. You got to work. There we go. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over fear and all anxiety To every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the dark. It's over every enemy Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus Shout Jesus from the mountains And Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness Over every enemy Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. And that is a song called I Speak Jesus, in case you didn't figure that out. And um, it's such a cool song. I love it. I think it's a great song. Well, here it is the day after Thanksgiving, and um, it is 2020, November 27th. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but... Uh, we uh, had a really good Thanksgiving, and um, tonight what we're going to do, I'm, I'm trying to log into my YouTube account, just so you know. What we're going to do tonight is we are going to talk a little bit about Jesus, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the news, because I want to, and because hopefully I can encourage you in whatever it is you're going through right now. Because there's a lot going on. And I have to tell you, honestly, earlier tonight when I um, was putting this together, one of the things that kind of blew me away was some of the stuff that I looked at on Twitter. I'm like, I was just like, what? I mean, really, I was just, I was just like, seriously, this is really going on? I mean, seriously. All right, so what I want to do is I want to read from God's Word um, because that's really the most important part of this show. So let's pray. Father, um, Lord, I, I love you. And I thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy, which are new every day because uh, you know I need it big time. Uh, and Father, we just come to you today and tonight and just ask, Father, for your blessing on this show. I ask, uh, Father, for whoever hears this show or sees this show, because it seems like it's being hidden everywhere. Um, 
But I trust, Father, that you're going to let whoever you want to see it, see it so that they can be encouraged by it. Um, We just ask that you would let the words of my heart and the meditation of what I say tonight just be glorifying to you and Randall um, what he has to participate in and say the same thing. Lord, we just ask that you would bless this and that it would fall on good soil, on good hearts, on soft hearts. Uh, Lord, and where there is harder hearts, I ask that you would soften those hearts, that people would come to Christ, that they could see you for who you are. And uh, Lord, so I ask now that you would bless your word as I, as I read out of Colossians. And I thank you, because I know you will, because your word doesn't return void. And I am so thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen, people. That's right. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 1. And um, I'm going to just start in the beginning of this chapter. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras. I don't know if I said that right. Our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So that's a big opening of thankfulness. And now, beginning of verse 13, we read, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him... All things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. 
for it was the father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross through him i say whether things on earth or things in heaven and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind engaged in evil deeds yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which i paul was made a minister now i rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery, which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So I want to go back to a couple of the verses here and I want to uh, kind of pull some stuff out of here because I can. <laughs> and, and I just have to say that when we think about Jesus, we have to think about these things and, and set aside the caricature of the world and what, and what the world says and how the world depicts who Jesus is. Because the world has this cockamamie idea that Jesus is this like weak and wimpy person. And he's like, you know, he's got curly hair and he, he builds things with, you know, with wood. I mean, um, you know, there's this, this thing where there's such a defiance and a defilement from the enemies of God towards Christ. And yet we have to remember that Jesus died for that. He died for everybody. And so as the days get darker and darker and darker, which they are, we have a power of God within us to be able to proclaim the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ if we know who he really is. So look at this, check this out. So who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. And, and it says here, for by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, the visible and the invisible. And this is crazy because we can't see the invisible, but we know that there's an invisible world. Whether they're thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now I want you to think about that just for a second. Think about that just for a second. How many of you have a mother? 
Well, if you're like me, you 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 were born of a woman and you 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 came out of your mommy's body, right? Somehow, whether you were cut out because of a C-section or you're birthed out through the vaginal canal, whatever. You were born, right? And you were created through your mother. Your mom create you were created within your mother and she birthed you. You came out, right? So if that's possible for us as humans, then consider this. So all things have been created through Christ and for him, just like God gave you as a child to your parents and you were created through your parents, through your mom, but you were also created for your mother and your dad. Okay. I mean, you were created because they... Because you have to have a mom and a dad, right? So, so you were created for your mom and dad. Well, this all things have been created through Christ and for him. That means you and me were created for Christ. Okay? All right, that's simple. So then it says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Right now, and I know a lot of us have talked about this before, but the reality is, is this world would fall apart if Christ wasn't holding it together. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the reality. Um, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, also known as the alpha, and he is the firstborn from the dead. And, you know, I, I know some people are like, what does that mean? That's easy. Okay, so what it means is, um, he's the first person who died and rose again and, and who did not die again. Now he called Lazarus, he, he called Lazarus from, from death, right? Lazarus come forth. You know, he, he called Lazarus, but Lazarus died again, right? So Lazarus wasn't the firstborn from the dead. Only Jesus is. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead so that he... This is the cool part. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything. That's so important right there. So that Jesus would come to have first place in everything. Why did, how did Jesus get to that? You know, all this stuff happened so that he could come to have first place in everything, right? And, 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 and I could go on, but I'm going to stop right there because... One of the things on my heart tonight is that I really want to challenge you and ask you, where are you in your walk with God? You know, where, where are you? Where, what is going on in your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God? Do you think you have a relationship with God? Or do you think you have a relationship with God, but you're like, eh, I don't really know, right? Are you not playing church, but are you... Are you feeling stagnant in your walk with God or are you feeling like you don't know what to do? You don't know where to read in the Bible. You have nobody to talk to about it because you can't find those people. Um, how are you doing? How are you doing? Now, I got to, I'm, I'm a, God's been doing some stuff in my life lately and I have to, <laughs> I have to tell you that it's not like what I expected, right? And so 
I, I want to share. Okay, so if you've been watching the show for the last few months, you probably have noticed a difference in some of the stuff I've been talking about. And and hopefully you've been noticed you've noticed more of a um an an emphasis on Jesus, right? <laughs> and because that's been on purpose. It's been on purpose. Why? Because I think sometimes as Christians we forget about Christ, right? We're like, what who? Oh yeah, that's who we are. But then we forget about who Jesus is. We don't even, I mean, we think we, we, we're, we're hanging out with him. But the question is, are you really? Because if Jesus isn't in your thoughts and he isn't in your language and he isn't in your decision making and he isn't anywhere remotely in your life where you're constantly thinking about, okay, what would he think or what would he want me to do or, or anything like that, then my question is, why? Why? How come? And this is what I think. I think that God is calling his people to a deeper level of commitment. That's what I think. Um, and and I think 99, well, I can't say that. I haven't taken any, you know, I haven't done a poll. But I will say that I think a high percentage of believers today are not engaged with God's word. And I don't think they're engaged in community with people who are engaged in God's word. And this is what I mean. I don't think you're engaged in Bible study. And I don't think you're engaged in personal Bible study as well as Bible study with church. And I've been thinking about this because when I first got saved, um, you know, it was tough, man. My mom did not, I mean, she thought I got in a cult. You know, my mom thought I was in a cult. I wasn't in a cult, but my mom thought I was in a cult. And she was like, you can't read the Bible because that book is, you know, that book's crazy. And, and so the only place I had fellowship was at school with a couple of other teenagers who didn't know a whole lot, <laughs> which still kind of makes me laugh a little bit. And so I would spend time alone reading the Bible and I would, I would just devoured it. It was like, ah, I got to have this. I got to have the Bible because if I don't, I'm going to, you know, I mean, it was all I could do. Not, I mean, I was so obsessed when I first got born. If you think I'm obsessed now, you should have seen me when I got first born again. Oh my gosh. Because God rescued me from a horrific situation that if the, if the plan of the enemy had been fully taken out in that situation god forbid and thank god he did but my life could have been completely demolished and 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 possibly even ended right so i don't say that to be dramatic it's just reality right and so but then when i eventually got into a church you know, in the 80s, there were some Bible studies in churches, but then over time, I saw this shift take place in the church where psychology infiltrated it and self-help became a huge focus within the church. And then the worship whole, the whole worship thing came in. Everybody started like, oh, do we want praise songs? Oh, get rid of those hymns. You know, I mean, there was this big debate between the, the worship and all that. And I'm pro there's probably still some of that going on too. I don't know. Um, but all this stuff started taking place and very subtly the Bible studies were moved away and DVDs were put in place of popular people or people that they made popular um, 
to replace the in-person Bible study teacher. And next thing you know, you have a group of people who are watching a screen, watching somebody on a screen, supposedly teaching God's word, and the church starts to die, right? I'm just being blunt here because I think it's reality and I think it's true that the church started to kind of, oh, you know what? We don't need, you know, we don't need a Bible study anymore. We don't need a prayer meeting anymore. Nobody comes to them anyway, except those old ladies who are in their 70s and 80s because they think it's important somehow, right? Am I speaking truth? Because it's true. At least that's what I know. I've noticed. So, and then we, and then there was a period in church history, and I'm talking in my lifetime, which is also your lifetime, where in certain churches, there were these holy experiences taking place under the guise of holy laughter and holy roaring and, you know, other stuff like that, which is completely unbiblical. Um, although I know some of you would disagree with me on that, but a whole bunch of things started going on, signs and wonders. And I bring this up because last night, um, I was, I was on YouTube and I keep getting these, uh, um, what do you call suggestions in YouTube. Watch this video. Watch this blah, blah, based on my, my interest, right? And anyway, so like I had this whole list of videos pop up talking about people today who have had dreams from Jesus. That's what they're saying. And they, they all have to do with the end times all of a sudden. And so I was turning, I turned one on I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to be open-minded. This person has 35,000 followers and subscribers, or was that 131,000? I don't know. Anyway, way more than I do. I have no audience compared to these people. And I'm listening to this young woman who probably, I don't know, 30s. She was was, was, um, a young woman, and she was talking about how she prayed before she went to bed, and she asked God to give her a vision and a dream so that she could figure out what's going on in the world and all this other stuff. Well, I, you know, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this because this is apparently a theme because look at all these YouTube videos that have this. And so I'm, 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 lis- I, I'm listening to this with high skepticism. And it's not that I don't believe God gives people dreams. He does. He's given me a lot of dreams. Um, but I don't get on YouTube, but I don't, <laughs> don't, I don't like, I declare it. The Lord is saying this to me. No, I don't do that. But, um, but anyway, so she starts talking and then crying. She's, this is the most terrifying dream of my life. And, and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? You know, what's, what the heck, you know? And so I'm tuned in and I'm watching this video. <laughs> like, what did she say? And as she continues to talk, she's, she's talking all of a sudden about how this prophet who she named came to her in this dream and told her that God renamed her shame. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And then she starts crying and and I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't think God would rename anybody shame, but whatever. Okay, go on. I want to hear your story and what God did. And and I'm listening to this as she goes on and 
And she was using scripture a lot and a lot of it was fine. I didn't have a problem with what she was saying in that regard. But then she started talking about idols and how God showed her that Facebook and Instagram were idols in her life. And how she decided at that point she's going to rip them off. She's going to take them out of her life uh, because God was showing her that she was full of pride and shame and all this other stuff. And she needed to step away from these idols of Facebook and Instagram. And so then I thought, huh, you know, that's kind of interesting. And I thought that's also kind of vulnerable too, that she's out there sharing that stuff. And I'm like, then again, some of the stuff I've shared is kind of vulnerable too. But, um, and I thought, well, maybe that was a dream from God, but I don't know that God would call her shame. You know, she gave this wrong definition of that, by the way. It was like, what? That's, that's not how God, that's not even how that word's defined, but whatever. Her point was that God had convicted her of some sin. So I thought, huh, this is interesting. I'm going to watch another video of somebody who had a dream from God in a vision. And so I'm, I'm watching another video and I'm like, this one was like, the, the next one I watched was kind of like, I, I couldn't stand it. So I shut it off because I was like, okay, this is just over the top for me. I can't deal with this. But that got me thinking, why, why is there so many people out there? Why are there so many people out there who are going on YouTube and declaring that God's giving them dreams of the end of the world and all this other stuff. And they're looking for a sign. They're looking for a sign. And that's what they kept saying. I want a sign. Give me a sign that of what's going on. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, do you guys ever open your Bible? Because <laughs> uh, all I got to do is open the book. Open the book. If you open the book and read what's in the book, You'll get a sign, you know, and, you know, I thought about it, I thought it's kind of interesting because in the day when Jesus was walking on the earth, they wanted a sign as well. And Jesus said to them, you know what, you wicked and perverse generation, this is the sign that you're going to get. And basically the sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah, which we know is the sign of resurrection. And yet at the same time, if you think about who Jonah was and what he did, it's very interesting. So you got Jonah who decided that he, well, God said, hey, go to the Ninevites because I'm going to destroy them and I want you to, I want them to know that, okay, unless they repent. And so Jonah's like, you know what? I don't think so. I'm going to get on a boat. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm out of here. And so he literally jumps on a boat. He starts going the opposite direction because he's not going to the Ninevites because he hates the Ninevites. They're his enemy. He doesn't like him. And so there's a boat and it starts shaking. And there's this big storm. And somehow the people on the boat know that there's something going on with somebody on the boat to know that, that God isn't happy with something on the boat. <laughs> Long story short, they figure out it's Jonah. And Jonah... He's like, hey, just dudes, just it's me. Go ahead. Please throw me. Just throw me overboard. Note that Jonah was too afraid just to jump overboard himself. He asked them to throw him overboard. Whatever. So they threw him overboard. And Jonah went, ah, and he fell. Just kidding. I don't know if that's actually what he did. He probably just splashed in the ocean. 
And then there was a fish. <laughs> anyway, the fish ate him up. Yeah, they. Yeah, he did. Now there's a alternative thing. Usually we eat fish, not the other way around, right? <laughs> anyway, long story short, Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. It's not a shark. It's a big fish. That's what the Bible says. It's a big, huge fish. A big fish, which I would have liked to have seen, by the way. <sighs> and to make a long story short, Jonah prays. He dies. And eventually he's vomited up on land where Nineveh was because God could do whatever the heck he wants. <laughs> he could bring people wherever he wants. So he gets barfed up on land in Nineveh. The Ninevites see him. And, you know, it's interesting from reports I've read, he probably looked like white as pale and ashen. And he was somebody who the Ninevite gods actually, the Ninevites actually worship fish gods. So to have a man thrown up on land and to have <laughs> this guy come out of a big fish kind of got the Ninevites' attention. And so Jonah, he gets up and he's walking around and then he declares finally what God wants him to. He tells Nineveh to repent. What happens? Everybody repents. Everybody from the top down. They all repent. And Randall said that's not true. So <laughs> what actually, happens? Actually, Jonah didn't tell them to repent. He, he just told them in three days, Nineveh will be overturned. Really? That was his message. Okay. Well, how I read into it was that Nineveh wanted them to repent. <laughs> Well, they did repent. Well, they did. Well, okay. They said perhaps God will relent. Ah, yes. All but, right. But he just gave the message of judgment in three days. Nineveh will be overturned. That's why I have a Bible husband. And that and that Hebrew word for overturned is really interesting. Huh. It could go either way. It could be in a bad sense or in a good sense. Just flipped over. Of course, they interpreted it as we're in trouble, which really... I'm sure Jonah preached that way, but what ended up happening is they overturned. Anyway, back to you. I love having my Bible scholar husband. Okay, anyways, long story short, what Bareface said. Okay, so then everybody repents, and from the from the top down, right? So even the animals they had they put sackcloth and ashes all over these animals. So even the animals had you know, this, this, this thing where they had to repent, right? They were like showing God that they were sorry for all the stuff that they had done. But then Jonah, do you think he's happy? Uh, no. In fact, he's probably one of the most reluctant prophets out there, you know? And if you want to go to prophecy school, because there's some prophecy schools online you can go to and learn how not to be a real prophet, but whatever. Jonah, <laughs> Jonah, was really bummed out. Man, he was so upset that his enemies repented. Man, he was bummed out. He was bummed out. He sat under a tree. God drew this tree over him. And and anyway. Um, and, you know, I used to really like Jonah a lot. You know. But now I kind of think he was a little bit of a brat. Kind of like, dang it. I really wish that my enemies would burn. You know. <laughs> But God showed his mercy 
towards Jonah. He gave him some shade. He gave him some food. He actually, you know, gave him a couple days. And then ultimately he appointed a worm. I think it says it's a worm. I'm doing all this from memory. And the worm comes and starts eating at the, the tree. And then it dies. And so Jonah gets upset about it. And God basically says, what's the deal, man? You're, you're more upset about this tree or this worm or whatever it was than you were these people. You're like, you're like way more upset about that. And, and the book ends basically with the Lord asking Jonah a question and it goes silent. Because Jonah's like, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I'm not going to say a word on that one. Um, but why do I bring that up? Because if you open the Bible, the answers are in the Bible. And, and it's not that God doesn't speak through the end days and things like that. But you got to ask yourself, why is there such a interesting phenomena going on here? Uh, especially in YouTube with people who want to see a sign and they, and, but, but they're not opening the Bible up. They're not reading it. Randall. That's me. <laughs> you have any thoughts? I mean, I could go on, but you're the co-host and this show right. has already been on air 37 minutes. You could have read the book of Jonah by now. I know I could have, but, but yeah. Then wouldn't have to do it from memory. By the way, your beard looking good, man. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, as you alluded to Matthew 16 before, you know, uh, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given to it. Yes, in the last days, so prophesies Joel, or the Lord spoke to Joel, said in the right. last days he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. You know, your young men and women shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, etc., um, yes, um, and, but yeah, there's this almost this, you know, I need to dream for knowledge of God, I need to know what's going on, um, but there's a, there's 66 books there, and, um, there's one, um, one at the end of those that, Tells quite a bit about the end times. The uh, book of Revelations. Yes. No. <laughs> it's the Revelation. I know, no, no, I know. I hate it I when people call it. It contains. I hate that. It drives me crazy when people call it the book of Revelations. It drives me crazy. Well, it does contain Revelations, I know, but plural, but the title of the book is the Revelation of. It's the, Re it's the Revelation of, Je of Jesus. But yeah. anyway. Anyway, Which, by the way, I but, am teaching. If you are interested in coming to my Bible study in Revelation, then sign up. You know, the writer of Hebrews tells us that at various ways and sundry times in the past, God spoke to us by, spoke to us. Isn't various and sundry the same thing? Not entirely, at least the way the... King James uses two words because there's two Greek words there anyway. You know, times God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, which began with, which were initiated by the coming of Messiah. Right. The last age. Um, in these last days has spoken to us by his son. So, 
you know, where you might want to get words from prophets or words for, from a dream, that's fine. Except after you know everything that the Son said. Because in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. If you, you know, once you know all the words of Jesus, Yeshua, Yehoshua, from, from the scriptures, from the Gospels, and the epistles, because there's quotations from Jesus and a couple of the epistles as well, and and Revelation, which is a long, several quotations from the Lord, from the Messiah in the book of Revelation, get all familiar with that, then, you know, seek another revelation. But... You know something else, but you know if, if he's spoken to us in the last days by his son and everything for him, everything was created through him and for him, and in all things, you know, in him all things hold together. It seems like a pretty principal, you know, character of scripture and of human history. So, you know, throughout the book, as as Peter encourages the readers. Uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make that your principal aim, your pursuit. Get to know him in full. You know, memorize everything he said, the scriptures, and then, and then if more information is needed, you know, then I would, you know, I think praying for those revelations. But if you don't, if in these last days God has spoken to us by his son, and then you have some dream, or some prophet tells you your name is shame, or whatever, if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know what the book says, if you don't know what the Lord himself said, then how do you know if it's of him or not? Right. Okay. Which brings me to kind of the point, this big, huge lead-in. We've, we've got some stories, to, know, especially but... the title story. We should at least get to that one. We will. Just one minute. Okay, clock's ticking. All right, so I see Gina and Jonathan, no, and Don over on Periscope. Yeah, wow. And Phyllis is on Facebook, and I don't know who it is on YouTube. But if you're there, say hi. (laughs) Ah, you guys. All right, anyway, so, okay, so which brings me to this point, okay? And this is my point. question and and this is okay i'm just gonna confess something okay so when was the last time you read the bible the whole bible look i know a lot of people try to read it every year right and uh and everybody gets stuck in leviticus usually right that's usually what happens okay i was talking to bareface this morning he told me he doesn't think he's read the bible through in one year in like eight or nine years me honestly it's probably 10, 15, 20 years, because I read the Bible, but I don't, I haven't actually made the journey through the whole Bible in one year, okay? Now, is that important? Does it say anywhere in the Bible that you should read the Bible through in one year? No, but it does say that we should be meditating on it day and night, and that we should know it, right? So, that's one thing, Bible reading. I want to challenge you people. 
Yeah, I do. I want to challenge you to join me in trying to get through, read the Bible through in one year. But see, here's the thing. You got to be accountable to it with somebody. And that's what's been going on with me the last few months with Pam. I told you this a couple weeks ago. You need to go back, watch that interview with Pam. I'm going to have her back anyway. But here's the thing. Afterwards, we have a Bible accountability reading group and this is this is why I bring this up because what's happened in this group has been amazing, right? Okay, all these people who none of us knew each other, right? I mean, I didn't know any of these people, not even Pam. I mean, I mean, I knew her, but I didn't know her, right? Never had any time with her really, except like ten years ago on our show. We did a half-hour interview, which I listened to. It was kind of funny, actually, to listen to it all these years later, but whatever. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is that a group of us made this commitment to meet every morning to share what we're going to read in the Bible that day, and then we go dark for a while, and then we come back after that time, and then we open up the discussion about, about that Bible time that we all just had, and we start talking about what we read in the Bible, and I have to tell you that I think it surprised every single one of us in that group what happened. Um, because it's like, it's different if it's just your husband or your wife, right? Or, or even your kids. But here you are connecting with people from all over the place. And they're being committed on a daily basis. Come in and read the Bible. And then talk about it afterwards and see those discussions, you know, sometimes questions come up, sometimes a prayer need comes up, sometimes somebody gets something from something that they read and you're like, huh, I never thought of that before. I never saw that before. And it's, it's like the interworking of the body, the members of the body of Christ actually building one another up. And I think that the devil has been so clever to dismember the body of Christ that we've been infected with, I don't know what the right word is, but something where, where we've been so disconnected that we don't even know what we've lost. So just like, you know, I played some pickleball today. Yeah, I did. And I did good today, people. (laughs) I loved, it was so great. Anyway, but just like, you know, when I play a good game of pickleball, you know, everything's great. Me and my partner are gelling. We're, we're just hitting the balls good, we're making great shots, which I did, by the way. I made some awesome shots today. I was so good. <laughs> yeah, I was. Any, but anyway, but then there are other days where I suck. Like like Tuesday, I didn't play good at all. I was like, what the heck? I can't even hit the ball today. Um, and But there was something missing. Maybe it's not enough energy. Maybe my legs hurt like they did today. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's just too hot, you know, or or whatever. There's always, there's something, but when somebody else in the body comes along and they give you what you need, or they can pray for you and they can, they can bear with you a burden that you couldn't bear on your own, then there's something, there's like this strength that comes and your and the body is getting nourished. It's getting water. It's getting fed. It's getting food, you know. And that food could be 
the fruit of the spirit from other people working in your life, whether that's loving them, they love you, or they're being patient with you because you're being a brat, or, you know, there's joy because, oh my gosh, somebody just got saved or somebody like there's a woman in our group who I absolutely love and adore this woman. She's totally seeking and, and she's joyful. She's like this little kid, not, she isn't a kid, but she's got the, got this like new believer questions going on and it's like, ah, what about this? You know? (laughs) And you know, for somebody who's been in the Lord a long time, how many of you have seen a new believer get super excited about being in God's word? They got a million questions. You don't see that very often. But it to me, it brings delight to my heart. I I feel so much joy when I see a believer like asking a lot of questions. They they have questions. Well, what does that mean? You know? Um, like one of the questions this morning was, What's a yoke? You know, what what does that mean? And, and a couple of people talked about it. They talked about what a yoke is, you know, and, uh, and, and it was cool because, you know, then there's been other questions. There's another one about the first time the word, um, Hebrew is used in reference to Abram. And there was some history given. It's like, ah, oh, I had no idea. I didn't know that history. That's so cool. Anyway, so there's, there's, there's all this stuff. And I guess my question is, this, this is a very roundabout way of, getting to the point, Randall's like, yeah, it is. (laughs) But my question is, don't you want something like that? Do you not want to be in a community that is encouraging you in your faith and, and giving you, you know, help and, and strength to get through uh, this wicked and perverse generation that we, we, we live in, that's looking for a sign. They're looking for a sign everywhere. You know, and yet the answer's here, you know, in the in the word of God. It's right here. All you gotta do is open it up. This is my inspired journaling Bible, which I don't use, but um but I have it. But see, there's like things here. But but anyway, the point is is a lot of people are scared of the Bible. They don't know how to read it, they don't know how to understand it, and what parts they do understand, they get stuck when they're trying to figure something else out. That's why we need each other, right? And, and you know, the church itself, you know, a lot of the church that we go to, it's like they're, they're overtapped. They don't have resources. They don't have the time. Nobody wants to do it. Or it's not offered in general. Or maybe it's not even a real church for all I know. Um, it's, there's, there's this deficit, you know, there's this, it's like this, the body's anemic, it's cancerous, there's nothing that they can do because it's like too much. And all I'm saying is that there are people out there that are hungering and thirsting for a community that can build them up and strengthen them in their faith if they want to be committed to it. So I want you to consider that. And if this is something that you want, then I want you to get in touch with me because I, I want to help put you in that community of people that can do that for you. Okay. I'm going to take names. That's what I want to do. I'm taking it upon myself right now to take names. Uh, because, but here's the thing. You got to put some skin in the game. You have to commit to it. That's the thing. And there will be a cost. You have to commit to this. 
And I guarantee you, I can hands down guarantee you that if you commit to doing something like this, it will revolutionize your life and change it. Yeah, it will. It totally will. And I, I have never lied to you, and I'm not starting now to lie to you, but I, I will tell you that if you do this, your life will change. And, um, and, and I can tell you that for a fact because mine has changed and Bareface has witnessed it. All right. Okay, I'm done now. Because I figure Bareface wants to add on to what I just said. You yeah, you do. Go ahead. Do it. There you go. <laughs> That's it. That's the extent of his. <laughs> well, no. I mean, you've, you've just talk about what you've noticed, you've observed. I've, I've observed uh, an increased passion for the word of God. And for. Definitely. And for making disciples. Yep. Yeah. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. Not converts, disciples. Those who are disciplined and growing in the grace and right. the knowledge of the Lord. So. All right. All right. So with that said, let's talk about Tony Perkins. Because that's mm. the story you led with. That's yeah. not what I would have. <laughs> well. I wouldn't name. But anyway. Okay. So Tony Perkins. Is a recognizable name. Yeah. Where is this Christian medical group? It's like, yeah, yeah. whatever. So this was a, this this headline caught my attention. If it's um, true, no, it's true. Mm. Yeah, this headline caught my attention because um, Tony Perkins uh, has been out on the forefront of you know, like he was at Jack Hibbs Church and and um, talking about how you know the church is under persecution and stuff. And of course, this goes back to March. This article it does. Yeah. Oh, I didn't really. Yeah. Huh. Well, then why are we reading this if this is a March? Because you sent it to me. I didn't realize the day. Oh, yeah, March 30th. Well, interesting people. Did not notice the date. Yeah, so this was prior to the um, the thing with uh, well, Jacobs and all that. I can totally thank you for keeping me on track. <laughs> well, no then, problem. Well, then forget that. I ain't going to read this article. That's, it's a March article. Forget that. I'm not so going to read it. Let's do the other one. Okay, hold on. Let me. My computer's got the spinning beach ball of death on it. <laughs> this is funny. What happened to my. I had a title for this one, but. Whatever, I'll just turn it off over here. I'm just waiting for the spinning beach ball of death to stop on my computer. Oh, there we go. Okay, this one was November 26th. Yes. Okay. Christian Medical Group urges churches to stop gathering amid pandemic. Don't make church an idol. Yeah. All right. The Christian Medical and Dental Association. <laughs> I'm thinking you need to rename this show. Yeah. <laughs> Is urging churches... To pause in-person meetings in order to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Actually, you know that video that you sent me a couple days ago, the one that with that guy? Yeah. We should play that. In a statement released last week, the CMDA highlighted the record number of daily cases in the United States, stressing that the pandemic is surging in light of recent data. Not evidence, just recent data. Hmm. According to the COVID tracking project, the United States hit a new record last Friday with 193,000 daily cases. 
we have to slow the rise the rising tide of COVID-19 cases or our hospitals will be overrun, the CMDA said in its A Plea to Chew Our Church's statement, which was authored by Jeffrey Barrows and Dr. Christopher Hook. Hook is a hematologist and medical ethicist from Minnesota. Barrows is an Ohio-based obstetrician. Did I say that right? Yep. Yeah, I did. And a medical ethicist. The time it takes for the U.S. to accumulate 1 million cases has dropped from 44 days to just 7 days. We are amazing people. Yeah, we are. The pandemic has not only arrived, it is hitting with hurricane force and has reached a crisis point. The sector that is bearing the brunt of this raging pandemic is our healthcare system, particularly the healthcare professionals who constitute the backbone of our healthcare system. While church is a priority, it should not become an idol, the group stressed, grounding its statement in Jesus' words in the Gospels about loving one's neighbor. Loving God with all of our heart, mind, and strength is our first priority, and it can be done with our families outside of church. It can be done via the gifts of electronic communication that allow us to join virtually with other church members. We are not being prevented from having Bibles, reading scriptures, and singing songs of praise because we can do them at home and with the church through these virtual tools, it said. Well, that's true for now, just so you know. The issue here is the second greatest commandment, to love one another as we love ourselves. Restricting meeting for a season is not about fear of contracting the virus ourselves. Rather, it's about loving one another and minimizing risk to the vulnerable around us. As members of the body of Christ, we are called to be his ambassadors. That means that Christ has chosen us to reveal his love and grace to all those around us. Choosing to put off gathering together as a church is a statement of love. The CMDA went on to lament that Christians are becoming more despised in society because it appears that they only care about individual liberties and are contributing to others getting sick. As Christian, you know, isn't it neat how we get blamed for everything? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we did. We got blamed for that. Okay, I'm just going to stop reading this, but I got a comment. Here's my comment. I'm going to say this as nicely as I can because I know some people are, are, you know. So here's my comment. Is COVID-19 real? Yes, it's a real virus. Is it killing most people in the world? No, it's not. It's like 99.6% of the people who get it survive. Okay. I mean, that's the reality. Um. And this is the other reality. The other reality is if you're afraid of getting the virus, then you can stay home from church. You don't have to go to church. Nobody's forcing you to go to church. If you're somebody who wants to go to church, you should be able to go and just be smart about it. I mean, you know, of course, don't hug people who don't want to get hugged. Wear a mask if you feel like it, even though they're pointless. There's zero, there's zero reason to wear a mask. It's societal conditioning, actually. That's what that's all about. True story. Like today, I mean, okay, I have to, when I, where I play pickleball, I literally have to put my mask on in order to walk in the building. Then I walk down the hall and then I can take the stupid thing off in order to play pickleball without it with my friends. 
one of my friends today said, yeah, the, and then and then after we play pickleball, I have to put the stupid thing on again, and I have to walk through the building to go outdoors to where I can take it off. And and one of my friends today said, yeah, it is. it, do, it won't work for you because you, you don't have your nose covered. And I'm like, because I'm wearing glasses, and my glasses will all fog up if I can't, I won't be able to see. I mean, anyway, but anyway, I said it wouldn't matter even if my nose was covered because the COVID-19 virus, whatever the heck it's called, is so small it goes through those masks anyway. That's been, that's been verified. What we're dealing with today is cultural conditioning. The media has done an awesome job of brainwashing the majority of people that watch the media. I don't watch the media, so I'm not brainwashed by the media. That's why I'm stepping back going, okay. So if you watch the numbers rise, duh, the numbers are rising because more people are getting tested. Duh. I mean, that's just, okay. All right. And yes, people with compromised immune systems are going to get it at higher rates than people without compromised immune systems. That's the bottom line. And yes, there are some people that have died and it's been kind of an anomaly that they, they didn't quote have that for whatever reason. Weird things happen. But this isn't something like you're walking out the door and you're gonna you're getting you're you're getting this thing and you're collapsing to your death. I mean, when I think of an actual pandemic, I think of like people getting wiped out just because they're breathing in the presence of other people. That is not what's happening here. That, you know, in fact, I think this is crazy, but I actually think all of the precautions that we've taken, we, none of us should get the flu because we're all like washing our hands and, you know, and stuff and we're doing good. <sighs> as far as loving our neighbor, we need to love our neighbor. And I have friends that totally disagree with me and I respect them. I put the mask on. I don't complain anymore about it. You know, I'm not whining about it anymore. Even with my dad. Yesterday I had to go see my dad uh, in assisted living. The irony here with my dad was like, okay, they, they won't let me in the building usually unless I get a COVID test. I refuse 100% to get a COVID test. I'm not getting in the system, you know. I'm not doing it. That's because there, there's a trace act. Look up the trace act. You'll understand why I don't want to be in that system. But anyway, long story short, on Thanksgiving, they're like, you can go in. Just wear a mask. Well, technically, my dad is also supposed to be wearing a mask when he sees me. So they bring me into this room and they put him behind a plastic barrier. <laughs> and I'm like. Sneeze garden. Yeah. And I'm like, just like in a salad bar. Yeah, and I'm like, still have to sit there with a mask on my face, which I can't breathe in. So I put peppermint oil on my mask, which I'm sure can totally contaminates the virus trying to get through. You know, the peppermint is like, oh, the virus is scared of the peppermint. Ah, can't. <laughs> but at least I can breathe because I can't breathe well with with that. Well, anyway, anyway, and and so. And then they leave me alone with my dad. I'm like, do you really think I'm going to leave my mask on? I did. But I mean, still, the, the, the point is, um, 
Phyllis says, too bad society is playing like sheep and follow the mask mandate. I will wear it if I absolutely must, but otherwise not wearing it. Yeah, I actually think it creates problems for people who are healthy because you're, you're compromising your immune system by doing that. But I'm not going to fight with somebody over it. I'm just going to say, look, okay, like, like I had to go get my glasses. I got new glasses, right? These are my old glasses, which I turned into computer glasses so I can actually read without straining my eyes too much. Um, and then I have another pair of glasses, which are distance glasses. And I had to actually, this was crazy. I had to go into the eye doctor. First thing they did was make, they escorted me to the sink where I had to wash my hands in front of them and then dry them off, <laughs> put a mask on. And then I had to go into a room with the eye doctor. It was just me and him and do an eye exam with a mask on is my eye thing is like it's totally like fogging up I can't see and I'm, I'm like dude is this really serious I mean you know is this really serious do, do, do I really have to do it? and they're like yeah you have to do it and I'm like it's crazy and I and then I had to go to the bank they let me in the bank I sat there for like almost an hour wearing a mask and I was trying not to have a panic attack because I can't, I couldn't breathe. I'm like, ah, but, um, but yeah, certain things I had to do in order to do it, but I'm not going to fight with somebody because they really believe what the media is telling them. And I don't, uh, that's not where I'm spending my time. I'm not spending my time listening to liars. The, the media is filled with liars. You guys, they're lying. They lie constantly. You know, the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the father of the flies is the guy that like totally controls the airwaves. And they're lying. They lie like a dirty rug. That's a nice way to put it. They're lying about everything. Everything. They're not telling the truth about anything. You know, and if everybody seriously thinks that Joe Biden is our president, then think again, because that is such a lie. You president know? elect. <laughs> and there's an office of the president-elect. There is now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever. Even if they get him in there through the way they're, they're trying to do it, it's crazy. But you got that clip. Do you want to play that clip? I do not have that clip. It's in your it's in your messages. Yeah. You should play it. It's six minutes after the hour, just so you know. So? Okay, you got to remember to change the title in Periscope. Okay. What am I going to change it to? Okay. I think you should play that clip. Well, let me find it. Okay. So, Rand, there's this clip going through Facebook of this guy. And I want you to see this clip because, you know, hey, we can go however long we want. If But this this guy, he's citing history and he's explaining what he's done. Are you coming back? Who, me? Yeah, you. Well, yes. Okay, I was just wondering. I'm just, I guess there's quite the delay on Facebook. Hi, Jerry. Jerry Herb. Herb. Is it Herb or Herb? I always wondered. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Um, and there's Pam, too, and Carl. <clears throat> anyway, long story short, I... You gotta ask yourself, okay? You gotta ask some questions. Facebook has deemed this false information, by the way. Well, then that means it's probably true, because if Facebook is saying it's false, then, you know. 
Does Parlor say it's false? Does it? <sighs> All right. Is there any comments or questions anybody has? Okay. We're, we're ready. All right. Okay. So I'm going to put the headset in so I can hear this audio. All right. This is like three minutes. Pay attention to this because this guy... It's... It's oh. nearly five and a half minutes. Okay, it's almost five and a half minutes. I'm full of misinformation today, aren't I? Don't know about Jonah. Got that wrong. Whatever. Okay. Go ahead and play whatever, whoever this guy. You can just pay attention to this guy. You guys listen to this person. I think he's telling the truth. Not according to Facebook. But, well, that means he's telling the truth because <laughs> Facebook's lies. Yeah, they do. Well, what's happening all over the world is enough months have passed now. Early on, lots of people were persuaded they, there was a deadly virus, so they accepted lockdown. But as the months have passed and their personal experience and the government's narrative bear no resemblance to each other, uh, more and more people um, all over the world, it's increasing all the time, in country after country after country are realizing that they are part of a scam they've been had and the scam is to transform human society using the excuse of this fake virus so what they're doing is in the name of health they are destroying the world economy they are destroying people's businesses and they're destroying people's livelihoods and this next series of lockdowns that apparently are now planned are designed to finish off so many of the businesses that have hung on for dear life this far. Why? Because when the population has no um, access to independent employment, they become dependent upon the state. And what they're now starting to suggest more and more um, uh, loudly and, and more and more frequently is something that's been in my books for literally decades and that's the plan to introduce um, what they call a guaranteed income and the guaranteed income will be presented as a way of giving people a survival income if that because all the jobs have gone with AI taking more and more jobs as well but the idea is that this will not be a benevolent government, uh, benevolent governments, it's meant to be worldwide, saying here's some money because we care. It's here's some survival, just if survival um, income. And there comes with that a few, a few consequences, a few riders. First of all, you have to have the Gates vaccine which has an horrific and sinister agenda for humanity and it won't be one either it'll be one after the other uh, you will have to um, do what the government says if you do don't um, uh, do what the government says you don't get it and we have a precursor to that in Australia where the government's uh, introduced um, legislation that says that if you're on state benefits see guaranteed income that's coming and you don't have your child vaccinated according to a whole list uh, of government recommended vaccinations, then you're gonna, you lose benefits. And this is a precursor of the guaranteed income, total control. But to bring that about, you have to destroy 
people's independent access to income and to employment. And that's what the lockdowns are all about. That's why Professor Neil Ferguson, owned by Gates, funded by Gates, and Imperial College in London, funded by Gates, owned by Gates, came up with the computer models with the ludicrous projections of deaths, 2.2 million in America and half a million in Britain, to justify the lockdown because the lockdown was uh, essential to this uh, plan to destroy the global economy. And uh, people are starting to get it now. They're starting to realize that they've been lassoed and we're starting now to gather together and push back against it. And with seven point odd billion people in the world and at the core of this cult, you could get them in one room if we don't acquiesce with our own enslavement, we cannot be enslaved. And that is where uh, we are now going, towards this realization that we have to stop acquiescing with our own enslavement. And for me, what businesses should be doing and uh, people employed by those businesses should be doing uh, with these coming lockdowns is simply refuse to lock down. I, no, I, I haven't worn a mask. I haven't put any of this toxic shite on my hands. No sanitizer. No, so none of it. And you know, I I'd spoken in Trafalgar Square uh, uh, twice to 35, 45,000 people. All the people here today. I basically hugged hundreds and hundreds of people, and I somehow have survived the frickin' virus. Because it's a scam, and the world is waking up to it, and we have only just begun. Thank you very much, So, so okay, I, I have a question for you. Most of you are older than me, because you're old people. Yeah, you are. I'm only 52. Some of you are older than that. Yeah, you are, like my husband. <laughs> How many of you know what happened November 22nd, 1963? Bareface? I do, yes. Okay, don't say it. I want to look and, and see. I wasn't if... born yet, but I... We weren't born yet, but do you know what happened November 22nd, 1963? I was alive. I was By in the utero. Way, Jerry... It shows that you put an angry emoji on our show. If you could go and change that to a heart emoji, that would be nice. <laughs> Unless she's angry, that's fine. Don't be, don't be angry. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I prefer the love, not anger. Okay. Any any takers you guys know? Phyllis, do you know what happened November 22nd, 1963? I'm waiting. I know there's a delay. Anybody on YouTube know what happened November 22nd, 1963? <sighs> yes, we're waiting forever and ever. By the way, do you know the name of that guy that we just heard? I do not. I know his face. I can't but think he's, of him. But he was in Australia. Phyllis same. knows on Facebook. Okay, Phyllis knows. Yes, you got it. Okay, so November 22nd, 1963... JFK was assassinated. Okay. It used to be that people 
in the media would cover that like on the anniversary because this was a this was a big huge event in the history of america right i mean it was um i was born in 68 so it's five years but so i'm 50 so that was 57 years ago Is that right yeah 57 years ago that took place not even 60 years ago and all of a sudden nobody's talking about it the anniversary of the assassination of john f kennedy why did they kill him The short answer is because he was not a globalist. Okay? That's the short answer. Yep. Donald Trump is not a globalist. And he he does not play well with the elites just like the Kennedys didn't. Um, I don't think for a second that John... The younger Kennedys. Yeah. I don't think the other one, John, that died a couple years back in the airplane crash, you know, him and his family... I don't think that was an accident. I think that there was things going on. Uh, George Magazine still is still is around, I believe. But but the point is, is that there is a new world order, and I believe this COVID nineteen thing is a big, huge part of them trying to implement this new world order. Sure, I I should have brought up the articles I was going to bring up last week from from. Forbes, from Entrepreneur, from the World Monetary Fund. Yeah, they're all in your. Hmm. They're all in your your inbox. They're on in my inbox. Why would they be? Because I sent them to you in Messenger. When? Are these ones that you read and I didn't the, send you? You did not send them to me. No. Look at that miscommunication in the Harp <laughs> household. Wow, tonight is an epic night <laughs> of. We need to talk, Randall. Apparently. <laughs> But um, besides, over our uh, anyway nachos or whatever it is that you ate, I don't know. Anyway, um, the short of that is that yeah. So no, Phyllis says JFK was killed because he knew what Trump knows, and they had to end it before JFK unveiled it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, well, we know it. You know it, Phyllis. We all know it. There's a lot of people who are but, really, truly awake. Not the woke people. Those but, people are all zombies. But anyway, short of it is that this what we what happened this year economically with the shutdown, global shutdowns, while pouring money into the system at the same time. In the, stim- the stimulus money. So it wasn't just here in the U.S. Uh, other governments that weren't already bankrupt <laughs> did it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the consensus is that the world's economy, the global economy, is irreversibly changed. What it means, exactly? We need a savior. Well, yeah, but I mean, from an economic standpoint... We need a one-world currency. I don't know anybody's guess except for the elites that, yeah, it's. We need to wipe out the dollar and put in a new world order money. Yep. That's what we need to do. Yep. I I don't think that's very far away. Well, no, they've been actually working on that for for a while. while. You you guys can actually Google that and you can, you can actually find that they have that already done. Yeah, now, the inter- the International Monetary Fund wanted the wanted to replace the U.S. dollar as a world reserve currency, which it still is. Yeah. And just anyway, I 
don't know how many of you have talked about this, but I try to condense it. And all the world's all the world's currencies are fiat currency. They just print it, and it's it's not really based on anything. Uh, you know, no gold standard, no silver standard stuff went out decades ago. It's just an arbitrary value that whatever financial entity ascribes to it. Okay, so why does that make the U.S. dollar the world's reserve currency? Why does it have the most value in trading among the nations? And that's because of the gross domestic product of this country. Uh, whether this country is the, you know, large producers of porn or consumers of it, you know, there are other things. There, there, are, there are raw materials and finished goods and stuff that this nation outproduces more than any other country in the world. This is a this is a productive nation. God has blessed it with raw materials and people who work and make things um, and grow things and, and ship things and distribute things. And even though China has however many times more people, you know, one point whatever billion, India, about close to two billion people, it doesn't have the infrastructure. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have the output that this country has. So the U.S. dollar is valuable because of the GDP of this nation. But here, as in many places around the world, many nations, developed nations, um, money was poured into the system. Nothing new. Uh, it happens, you know, affects inflation and inflation and, you know, interest rates, all this stuff. But it was at the same time as shutting the economy down. So there's a whole new set of money that has no backing behind it because production was shut down at the time. It stimulated the economy and all that, but you've talked to home builders and how you know three months to get windows and stuff like that because everything shut down the supply chain yeah. upset in so many places we're like we're waiting for a window yeah we're so, waiting for a window and a dryer fan the dryer wheels whatever we're anyway. so it's it's that thing that there's still things we're waiting we're waiting we've waited months because manufacturing shut down right. so okay we have a window that leaks in our front in front of our house and we've been waiting for this thing to get fixed for months anyway but yeah. but tax revenues are up sales tax people are spending with all this money that was dumped but come first quarter next year second quarter next year when the stimulus money you know runs out the PPP loans and all that kind of stuff. And the backlog of production is still there. Yeah. Well, what's it going to do? Who knows? But it, it's, it's, and here, right. And so, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but no, but here's, here's the other thing I want to bring something's up. Something's got to happen. Right. And here's the other thing I want to bring up. This Australian guy that we just heard, right? He's talking about basically enslavement by the government. All right. So I've been reading the book of Judges a lot lately because I'm studying this book. <laughs> I, I'm actually beginning to like this book a lot, actually. Anyway, there's there's a interesting parallel, I think, between the book of Judges and today. And that is that, um, 
you know, the people of judges, they wanted a king or whatever. And then they decided to do what was right in their own eyes. And God, they got oppressed. And then they got delivered. They got oppressed. They got delivered. Blah, blah. Here's what I know. I know it from history. I know it from scripture. And that is that real believers will be persecuted. I also know that the real church is pretty much the only thing standing between this and what's going on in the world trying to bring us down. And I also know that there's going to be a one world government at some point because the rise of the Antichrist has come up. The temple has already been rebuilt. Everything that they need to make sacrifices in the temple is already there. Uh, my Jewish friends in Israel that I've had on this show have told me within a few hours, all they got to do is give the word they could do their first thing. We know that there's red heifers available. I think there's four, at least four that they have available. Um, so we are, we are living in some pretty cool times, but here's the thing. And, and I don't, I don't think we have to be scared as believers, but this is what I know. I think that we need to be very careful about what's going on because when the government wants to take control of the people, that's when the people get oppressed. You cannot show me one government in the world that takes care of their people where they are not oppressed. Because you usually have wicked people in those places that do that. And I, I was sharing, actually, and I got to find it. I can't find the verse. But there's a verse. I think it's in Proverbs. And it, it talks about how the Lord didn't create, um, like, basically it says that there's always going to be enough food in the world, that God created the world with enough food and seed in the ground but it's the leaders, the governments that oppress the people that don't allow them to eat, basically. That's a very loose paraphrase. I'm going to find that verse because it's driving me crazy not knowing where it is. Um, but that's the truth. I wrote about Christian persecution for eight years for the largest ministry in the world to the persecuted church. I know a little bit about Christian persecution, just a little. And what I can tell you is that... Christians in America have not suffered like Christians in other nations are suffering today. Um, we, we are on the cusp of it becoming a huge issue. And I really do believe, and I'm not a prophet at all, but I really do believe that we are dealing right now with a huge battle in the heavenlies for the soul of this country. And in some parts of the world, too, because I see a couple of things happening. Number one, I think that they're the remnant of believers. I think God is connecting them. And I think real revival is taking place. You're not going to hear that broadcast anywhere, though, but I do believe that's taking place. Number two, there are more martyrs in the world today in our generation than ever in the history of the world. And I know that's a bold statement, but it's actually fact. It's been backed up. And, you know, people are dying every day for their faith in Christ. We just don't see it in America because the media doesn't report it, but it's true. It's definitely true. And could it come here? Yeah, it could totally come here. And I'm very thankful that the churches that have been standing up against this ridiculous stuff that's been going on, Jack Hibbs and others, I'm really proud of these guys because they know 
that they're being threatened with jail. They're being threatened with fines. And that happened in the word. You know, that happened in God's word. You know, and death, death is coming. Right? Uh, I mean, it could. But I also know, here's the other thing. I also know that there is one church event that has not happened yet that will happen. And we could be that generation. And that's the rapture. That is the rapture of the church. You know, the Bible says that man knows, nobody knows the day or the hour, not even the son. He doesn't even know. I'm thinking Jesus is like, come on, dad, tell me. When's it going to be? Tell me, tell me. I want to go. I want to go. Let's do it. Uh, but anyway, the rapture hasn't happened yet. Um, but it could. Any day now. Boom, we could be out of here. That would be so awesome. But here's the thing. Look, you know, there is a debate about it. When it could happen, it could happen before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation. Uh, I, I tend to think theologically it's before because I look at Israel, and I think Israel is the timepiece that we need to look at in Scripture, and I think we need to look at what's going on in Israel, which is part of the reason why I had Olivier on the show last week talking about that, because the rise of anti-Semitism and the persecution of the Jews is also goes parallel with all this stuff. So we're living in great days, in my opinion. I think we're, we have the opportunity of a lifetime to be the light in the city and to be the light out in the culture today because, you know what, people are terrified. You know, I'm walking around and I'm singing songs and I'm happy. And I really am genuinely happy. I really am. Um, I have more joy in my life now than I, than I have had in years. <laughs> and it's kind of, people are like, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Why are you so happy? Don't you know there's a pandemic going on? Yeah, I heard. <laughs> you know, I mean, my, my dad is what upsets me the most. I get upset because of what I, because of the BS. That's what I get upset about. And, and because I, because I know to the marrow of my bones that so much of this is a load of crap. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you know, I might end up in jail someday. Uh, but anyway, if I end up in jail, I'm doing ministry people. That's bottom line. Um, so Oh, that's what that was. Okay. Just had some liquid on my desk here. It turns out it's my, uh, my Aussie Miracle Moist thing for my hair. Yeah. But anyway, not that I wear that much, but got to keep the, I need to get a haircut. Anyway, so does anybody have any questions before we leave? Um, has this show helped you in any way? Do you feel like the Lord loves you more? Are you happy that you're living in these times? Uh, do you want to be in a relationship with other believers that are in the word every day, encouraging you, walking with you side by side, encouraging you, praying for you, mentoring you, discipling you, just hanging out with you? Don't you want to be in that type of fellowship? By the way, I do want you to be in my Bible study. If you want to join me in a Revelation Bible study, I'm, I'm teaching that book, which cracks me up, actually. I'm going to tell you a secret. So about... It was about five years ago. It, it was about five years ago. God laid on my heart to really start studying that book. And I did. I started studying it. And I was like, I don't know why I'm studying this book. And then I kind of put it aside. Well, anyway, long story short, I'm now teaching this book. I'm telling you what. 
there are so many cool things in this book. Uh, and this is a book that, that if you read it and heed it, you get a blessing. There is a super blessing when you do that. So the study, uh, if you want to be a part of it, join my email list. You can go to uh, my, my, just message me. I'll add you to the email list. Um, I put up some videos. I, I'm actually sending them through email. So you, that's the only way you can get them right now until I can figure out how to get it on my website. Um, and then we do Zoom twice a month. Okay, that's that. Um, we also have our Daily Disciples Facebook group uh, where we have people reading the Bible every day. Right now we're going through the book of John, Gospel of John, which is such a good book. Oh my gosh. If you have not read the Gospel of John lately, you should just totally go read it because it's a great book. Just join our Daily Disciples group. You can look that up. Uh, if you're not on my text message list where you get my text messages, you should get on that. Just send me your phone number or you can go, you can text Bible News to 33222. Get on that. I text out when we're when our show is starting. I text out when people go live in Daily Disciples. Sometimes I text other stuff. Um, so become a part of that. That's, you know, that's stuff that we're doing. Um, and of course, if you'd like to donate to the show, like Phyllis does and a couple other people who donate to us, uh, and become a pillar of our community, hold us up. Uh, we could really use the help. I mean, we're, we're struggling right now and I'm not lying about that. We are totally struggling. God is good. Because uh, people like Phyllis are giving us some money every month. That helps me to budget because we have expenses. I mean, this show, you know, doesn't pay for itself. It's, it, you know, it, we got expenses. So if you're being ministered to, please donate to us. Uh, we're 501c3 now. Yeah, we are. I know we are. Um, so you can donate through, through our website. Or if you don't want to do it through our website and you have Venmo or something, I'll let you know my Venmo. You can donate through Venmo or PayPal. Either way is fine. Or check. Actually, we have two people that donate through check. Um, so if you want to write a check, have that taken out of your thing, just let me know. You can do that too. Um, however God leads you. Okay. Last thing uh, I want to tell you is go to BibleMemory.com. Okay. BibleMemory.com is formerly Scripture Typer. And I want to tell you about this because... For years, I have said on this show, you need to be memorizing your Bible, people. And this website, BibleMemory.com, you can go and you can set up a free account. I think it's free. Yeah, I think there is a free account. I actually have the paid account. I, I paid for this app years ago. Um, but you can begin to, to memorize scripture in this. And it's so cool. And believe me, you're going to need the word of God hidden in your heart so that you can stand against the schemes of the enemy. Um, and I would just encourage you to go there, memorize a verse a day, or <laughs> maybe that maybe that's too much. Memorize one a week. Just pick something to memorize and start working on Bible memory. That's a good thing. Right now I'm memorizing 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which you would think. Yeah, see, most people, they know parts of it, but do you know the whole chapter? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, man, I'm also working on some other scripture too as well. Uh, but go to BibleMemory.com and check that out and do yourself a favor by doing that. Oh, okay. 
Um, is that it, Randall? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, last thing I'm going to say is this, and that is that um, I want to ask you guys to pray for Randall and me uh, because of our financial situation right now. Um, I am with Legal Shields. I'm, I'm this close to hitting a two-year goal. I really need to get some sales by the end of this month or, or I'm going to be bummed out big time. So I need you guys to pray. I need you to pray for me that the Lord would open up or the people that keep telling me they're interested in this service, they would just sign up because I'm like one sale away from hitting my two-year goal. And that's not about donations to no. this ministry. This no, is... what this is about is in Legal Shield we have a, go- we have a, um, a bonus structure. Okay, and for two years, I'm at my 24th month, which I got to get this goal in order to jump into the next structure, because in the beginning of Legal Shield, you make you make all your money with the bonuses. You don't make it with with the income you you get. I'm literally one sale away. (laughs) I have till the end of the month to get it. So if you've been thinking about getting Legal Shield, get your will done or anything or identity theft protection, please get in touch with me before the end of the month and I can tell you about it. And sign you up. Okay? That's one thing. The other thing is Randall makes video. And we need to get more video business for my for my man in in the pipeline. So that we can make some money there too. Because, um, you know, God has been good. We haven't filed for unemployment or nothing like that. Uh, we've been squeaking by, by God's grace. <laughs> uh Walking by faith. Yeah, we are. Uh, So look, if you just pray for Randall, that God would connect us where he wants us to be connected and give us what we need. I mean, God knows what we need, but I'm just asking for your prayer, okay? So so that's what I'm asking for. Um, And I want to thank you in advance. Yes. And I'm asking if all you all have a prayer request, let (laughs) us know, either through the... uh, Yeah contact page or feedback page whatever it's called on the website biblenewsradio.com or um yeah or email whatever i'm gonna gonna tell you something randall gets up every morning at six Mm o'clock he goes into his studio room he kneels on the floor at his chair and he prays me i get up i go downstairs (laughs) i get my coffee i do not kneel down and pray (laughs) But I spend a lot of time in the Word. Um, it, it, it helps me to focus. I don't think yeah. it's any more spiritual. It's just... But what I'm saying is that, just so you guys know, he's a praying guy. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm, a pray, I'm a praying woman, too. I pray, too, but but I, I'm not barefaced by any stretch. That's good. Thank God. <laughs> and one of us would be unnecessary, so... Just kidding. Uh, but anyway. All right. So anyway, those are our prayer requests. And again, you know, if you have prayer requests, let us know. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow night we're coming back. Next week, by the way, Mark, December 4th. I'm just going to say this because I know some of you are still watching. December 4th, I got two interviews I'm doing that day. Didn't plan it that way on purpose. Just so happened to end up that way. First one's at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's with a woman named Krista Malley who has, has cancer, uh, terminal cancer. And I'm, I asked her on because I recently heard her story and and she touched me so much. I wanted her to come on and share with you. So she's coming on at 1 o'clock because she gets really tired at night. So we're doing a day show for her. 
And then in the evening, I'm having the pastor, the senior pastor of New Life Church in Colorado Springs, a very big, huge church. He wrote a book and he's coming on in the evening at seven o'clock um, because, you know, our audience is big and they want us to promote his stuff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we should go to his church and promote our show. But anyway, um, yeah, so December 4th, that's next Friday. Uh, make plans now, okay? Tomorrow night we'll be back at 7 o'clock Central Time. Hope you can join us for another episode of Bible News Radio, people. And remember, as I always say, be bold. It's just Bible News Radio. It's not Bible News Radio, people. <laughs> Go ahead. I think I'm going to hit him after this. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, be bold. Uh, stand up. <clears throat> and go with God because <laughs> he loves you and I love you too okay bye